unregulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you've joined us on the program today. Hope that you had a uh, wonderful weekend. Uh, Again, I was off on Monday. Sort of a, you know, there are no holidays in August. Have you noticed that? No federal holidays in August. So we decided to change that in my family. I'm born on August the uh, 2nd, and uh, my wife and I got married 24 years ago on August the 1st. So uh, the beginning of every August is is sort of a, I won't say it's a national holiday, but it's definitely a family holiday. So that's why I was off yesterday, but uh, glad to be behind the microphone with you once again. And uh, one of the uh, bits of news that came out on Monday afternoon no summer slowdown whatsoever in terms of gun sales. This is typically the quieter time of year for the firearms industry. Uh, but according to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, in the month of July, there were approximately 1.3 million background checks performed on firearm transfers. That's big. That's the second highest July on record. Uh, the first, obviously, 2020 when the uh, great gun run of uh, 2020 and 2021 was in full effect. But uh, looking at these numbers, it's clear uh, that the, again, the the expected slowdown that you would uh, uh, typically find in summer months just isn't happening this year. I mean, gun sales are still well above uh, historic norms for the month of July. So I wanted to break this down a little bit and uh, uh, figured, you know, why not go to somebody who knows a thing or two about this topic? Mark Oliva with the National Shooting Sports Foundation uh, joins us to talk about the July Knicks numbers and uh, what the industry is doing now as it tries to figure out what exactly the new normal is going to look like for them. Take a look and a listen. Mark, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. It's good talking with you today. Hey, thanks for having me, Cam. It's always great to see you. Absolutely. All right. So the uh, adjusted Knicks numbers for July are in. And I got to tell you, these are eye-popping to me. Uh, I I know that the numbers are down from July of last year, which was an all-time high. But 1.3 million background checks on gun transfers in any July uh, is a big deal because this is really typically and historically the slow time of the year for the firearms industry. Yeah, you're right, Cam. Usually during the summertime, people are kind of focused on vacations and focused on, you know, trying to get those last minute summer activities in with the kids and, and even trying to get focused on getting the kids back to school. So, you know, the shooting sports haven't always been the high priority, which is why, you know, several years ago, uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation started National Shooting Sports Month, which we're celebrating now. To get people started thinking about the shooting sports, because, you know, come September, a lot of us are headed back out into the woods and the marshes uh, for some hunting season. So we want to take this opportunity while you still have some time on your hands to get out and shoot. But looking at these numbers for gun sales, you're right. And we start looking at July, uh, you know, heavy summer month, people aren't really focused on these things. They were out buying guns. That tells us there's one, there's still a very strong appetite for, for gun ownership in America. But two, we are also seeing that, you know, it's not slowing down. That We actually take from June uh, at a time we normally see a lull. So this is a really strong indicator that none of this is going to really stop anytime soon. Do, do you get a sense that this is still a continuation from the surge that began last year? Um, or, or is this now being aided by things like, you know, uh, Biden trying to put a gun control activist in charge of the ATF. Uh, you know, are, 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 are there, are there, I guess, are there phenomena or events that are happening, uh, events that are happening right now that are causing this spike? Or is this still just 
uh, you know, part of the 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 great gun run of 2020 that has continued into 2021. Yeah, I, I think part of it is a continuation, but I think the, certainly the factors that we're witnessing across the country are playing into it. When you start to see news events of uh, of shootings happening in New York City, of shootings happening in Chicago, and so now we're starting to see shootings happening in, in small suburban or, or less urban communities, uh, then people start to become really concerned for their safety. And I think people are taking note of that, and they're continuing to buy uh, guns for their personal safety. That's something we saw starting in March 2020 when we saw this spike start. People were buying guns then because they were concerned police weren't going to be able to respond to every call. Mm-hmm. So doing that now. Um, I think you're also seeing a continued buying because of people's concerns out of incursions on their Second Amendment rights. Obviously, with the nomination of David Chipman, we've seen the two proposed rules come out of the Department of Justice through the ATF about trying to redefine frames or receivers and trying to eliminate pistol braces on AR rifles or AR pistols, rather. So what we're seeing is, uh, you know, some of these overtures from the administration that are trying to, you know, clamp down on your ability to exercise your Second Amendment right. We think that some of that is also people respond to that. They want to buy the gun that they want while they still can do it before that ability is taken away from them. But I think it really does come down to a matter of people are waking up to the, the idea that they can exercise their Second Amendment at their will. It is your right. It is granted to you by your creator for you to use at, at your will anytime you choose to do so. I think people are waking up to that. They have the ability to defend themselves. They have the ability to protect their families, and they're exercising that right now. You know, one of the, the, the big questions I know for the industry is uh, what is the new normal going to look like? Uh, because, you know, it's hard to make those capital investments, uh, whether it's, you know, building out uh, production lines for uh, new pistols or for ammunition. Uh, you know, you don't want to spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars uh, on, on something that is a, a passing phenomena. Uh, but we are starting to see, you know, ammo companies uh, increase their production capacity. We're also starting to see companies like Vista Outdoors uh, announce, you know, uh, ammo subscriptions uh, in a way to, uh, to to try to address the uh, ammo shortage. Are, are we starting to see now? Are we gotten to the point, uh, you know, a year and a half after this uh, a surge in sales first began, that companies are starting to feel a little more confident in making those capital outlays to to increase production, either for firearms or ammunition? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is is everyone is looking for where that where it's going to plateau out. What we yeah. see, we see that when there's a run up in the market and we hit some of these peaks in the market and the peaks on gun sales, uh, the the market does settle out. You know, it usually settles out to uh, a floor that is higher than the ceiling was before. So, and to, to kind of put this into perspective, in, in 2015, we had 15.7 million background checks for the sale of the gun. That was our that was our high at that point. It settled out in 2016, 2017, 2018, and we were roughly at 14 down to 13, you know, 1.1, 13.2 million, which was much higher than it was, you know, four or five years previous. So the ceiling uh, in those previous years was the floor for where it was in, in those interim years. So now that we hit 21 million background checks last year, can I sit here and tell you that we hit 21 million again next year? Very bold prediction to make, and I'm not sure I'm quite qualified to make that. But we're seeing is the pace of gun sales, like you said, is is much higher than it was before. We're already at over 11 million background checks for the sale of the gun so far. 
So where will that kind of settle out? We, we think that if we plateau, if we're going to hit that plateau, it'll still be much higher. So I think you're seeing some of the ammo companies and some of the fire manufacturers starting to make some of those investments. We've seen that Six Hour announced uh, earlier this year that they're going to expand production in their, in their Arkansas facility for more ammunition. We saw that uh, Ammo Incorporated announced that they were going to break ground in a new facility up in Wisconsin. So we're starting to see some of that happen. We're seeing some of these manufacturers start to, you know, make that investment and start to make play, make plans for those out years. Is there, uh, is there still any concern about uh, materials uh, or, or are the supply lines, you know, steady at this point? And this really is just a, a matter of trying to keep up with the, uh, the demand as opposed to trying to, to get the supplies to make, uh, you know, firearms and ammunition. Yeah, so that's it, always the thousand dollar question or million dollar question for some of these uh, manufacturers, right? Is uh, you know where is it at? And a lot of customers are still you know scratching their heads, and 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 I've been saying it for some time, and, and many still don't believe me. There's plenty of there are plenty of the component parts there. There's plenty of brass. There's plenty of gunpowder. There's plenty of lead. Plenty of copper. Uh, there, there's even a fair fairly steady supply of primers. Um, and all the labor and and all the facilities are there. It's just a matter of capacity. So right now, what we're seeing is that demand continues to outstrip the capacity, and then that's what we're witnessing over time. It'll it'll match up some point. Manufacturers are telling us that could be you know upwards of eighteen to twenty four months, and that's a long time for any of us to wait. And and I'm in the same boat as everybody else. I'm looking for the same ammunition you are. So. You've got to have some sort of line on it that, uh, that the average uh, consumer doesn't have. I, I, I trust you, Mark, but you've got to have some buddies you can call, right? I tell, I tell you, I wish I, I wish I did. I try not to take advantage. I'm sure I could, but uh, what you're saying, I think you're seeing some of the manufacturers and some of the retailers trying to make some of those adjustments to meet their customer base. So you talked about Vista making that adjustment to now that you can do subscription ammunition uh, purchasing. Uh, a while back, of course, they went to, you know, direct buy from federal. You could buy right off the website. And I buy a very particular brand of, of, uh, you know, federal premium ammunition for one of my rifles that I shoot. And, uh, for a long time, I couldn't find it on the website. And, and now it had become available a couple months ago. And I bought myself about 80 rounds to make sure I can get through this hunting season or the next hunting season. Uh, and I'd be okay. And those, and those are specifically set aside for hunting. But, uh, you know, I also shoot a different round from a different manufacturer through my 6.5 Creedmoor, whereas my pistol or my AR rifle, I'll probably any round I can find on the market through those guns and, and I'll be fine. But uh, I know for some of us hunters, you know, we, we tend to be very brand loyal because we know the performance of those bullets when we're trying to make an ethical harvest of an animal. So a lot of us hunters right now are looking at the fall and we're, we want to make sure we can get the ammunition we need. And it is yeah. a little concerning, but, uh, but it's out there. You just have to be creative. You have to look around. Uh, you know, check the websites, make sure they're reputable websites. And, uh, and, you know, maybe you can't find the particular brand that you want or maybe, but you may be able, you should be able to find the, the caliber that you're looking for. All right. Uh, and, and last question for you, Mark. I mean, again, we talked about this being typically the, the slow time of year for the, uh, the firearms industry, let's see, slower time of year. Historically speaking, when do gun sales start picking up again in the fall? Um, is, is you know, August uh, and September still slow months? Or historically, do we start seeing those sales tick up as we head into hunting season? Yeah, so September will start to see usually a slight rise. It'll mm-hmm. be some of those September, uh, you know, lagging over from summer, a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, summer hangover feel. People enjoying that extended Labor Day weekend, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks of September. 
but we usually start to see October start to pick up, but definitely uh, November and December are very strong months for firearm sales. A lot of people are trying to take advantage of the, uh, the introduction of new models. Uh, you know, the holiday sales are going to start to happen around uh, Black Friday in November right after Thanksgiving. Uh, so we typically that those are very strong uh, months for sales. So, you know, we're looking forward to seeing where they where they fall out again this year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I know uh, uh, gun owners and segment women advocates are as well. Uh, Mark Oliver with the National Shooting Sports Foundation. As always, sir, thank you so much for coming on the program. It's great talking with you today. Great. Always great to see you, Cam. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Mark's time and I look forward to having him back on the program again very soon. By the way, he he's sincere. He says, I've got no line for ammo connection. So now I know not to bug Mark when I'm trying to find 9mm. All right, uh, let's turn our attention now to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We'll start there. Although this isn't really a recidivist report, as far as I can tell, this is the first criminal charge uh, that uh, this young woman is uh, has faced in her life. But we're still talking about one heck of a plea deal. This is uh, from North Dakota. Uh, where a uh, 26-year-old, Marilyn Sabu, uh, sentenced yesterday for her role in a shooting that happened back in May of last year. Court documents show that Sabu had been sentenced to the 308 days that she's already served, as well as three years probation for a reckless endangerment charge against her. She also ended up pleading guilty to a charge of menacing. Uh, She must serve 360 days in jail for that. She'll already get credit for 139 of those days. And then each day served, you typically get a day off of your sentence. So 221 more days in jail, going to be right around 110 days in jail. For what was originally an attempted murder charge. Yeah, because Sabu is actually accused of shooting a woman in the head. Court documents said that Sabu was involved in a fight on May 31st of last year, accused of shooting a woman in the noggin. The victim and Sabu's friend were going to fight one another when the victim decided to begin recording the altercation on her phone. According to authorities, Sabu stepped in, grabbed the victim's phone in order to erase any video evidence. The victim then tried taking her phone back, and that's when Sabu allegedly fired one shot in the air and then another shot directly at the victim, striking her in the head. Last year, the victim told police that Sabu was the one who shot her. Sabu denied shooting the victim to detectives. And I, 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 I guess because this was a case of she said, she said, prosecutors felt like they didn't have enough evidence going forward. I mean, I would think with, you know, perhaps any potential video evidence there, some physical evidence. I don't know if the firearm was recovered, but uh, this one seems like a really light sentence for what was originally first degree murder. Basically, time served and the possibility of three and a half months in jail. I, I, I certainly hope that uh, Marilyn Sabu doesn't appear in our uh, future coverage of uh, recidivist reports, but she got a really, really lucky break there in Fargo, North Dakota this week. Now onto our uh, armed citizen story. We actually have an update for you on a story that we first reported on a couple of weeks ago, a woman in Northern Virginia shooting and killing a, uh, a would-be intruder outside of her home in uh, Woodbridge, Virginia. Well, now authorities say that that intruder has been linked to several armed robberies in the area, mm-hmm. which is, again, not necessarily surprising. I mean, police uh, did not indicate that the uh, suspect knew this woman in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and so, uh, you know, unless this was just the 
uh, unlucky circumstance, the very first time this guy decided to uh, try to rob and assault somebody, he met up with an armed citizen. Yeah, there's always the possibility that this guy had been acting uh, in similar fashions in the past. Well, WUSA uh, reports that the Prince William County Police Department uh, had previously identified this uh, suspect as 20-year-old Azar Lawrence Smart. He approached her from the side of her home, this woman's home in Woodbridge, Virginia, uh, as she was walking out one morning. The woman told police that she was armed and shot the intruder as they walked towards her front door. The uh, Prince William County Police ruled this a justifiable homicide, so she's not facing any charges. But again, they've now linked the gun that was in the suspect's possession to five armed robberies at 7-Eleven locations in the Woodbridge area since late June, uh, most recently July 16th. According to WSA, this then led authorities down a rabbit hole of other robberies that matched with the shell casings of the same gun. Police believe that the robberies are connected to the same suspect based on the description, the clothing worn during the crime, and the motive. So there was a robbery back on July the 5th, uh, July the 3rd, June 29th, June 28th, uh, and then again, July 16th. So five armed robberies. Uh, and then July 22nd was when uh, young Mr. Smart uh, tried to assault and rob this woman outside of her home. And again, she was armed and was able to uh, defend herself. Uh, it's not known at this point whether or not Smart was connected to uh, any other residential robberies. I mean, that, that's sort of the, the difference in MO here, right? You've got five robberies of convenience stores. And then you've got this would-be home invasion, or this would-be robbery of a woman as she's leaving her home. Uh, are there other victims out there that may have been targeted by Smart? That apparently is still uh, uh, unknown, or, or perhaps the police don't have any evidence that this guy uh, had engaged in any other uh, residential-based robberies. Maybe he decided to switch things up, thought maybe the uh, heat was getting a little too hot uh, after the uh, half a dozen, almost, uh, convenience store robberies. Whatever the uh, case, he made a fatal miscalculation there. I'm glad to see that the uh, woman in Woodbridge not only able to protect herself, but uh, again, it sounds like she was able to protect herself against somebody who had done this several times before and uh, had fired shots in those previous robberies. Finally today, our good deed of the day. Take a look at this picture. It's from 1971. Bernie Imgrund. And Tony Palm Sr., that is uh, Tony Palm Sr. there on the right, former Richland, uh, ta Richland Township Police Captain. And the reason why this picture from 1971 is on your uh, screen right now is because that little three-year-old in the picture was lost at the time. Bernie Ingrand had gone to a local shopping center uh, and basically had gotten separated from their family. Uh, Ingram says, my dad and the seven oldest kids left the store. He threw them all in the back of the car and they headed home and they still didn't realize that the youngest one was not in the car. So Bernie's there left behind. Pre-cell phone, obviously, right? I mean, the 1971 we're talking about here. You can't send a text message. Uh, Bernie Ingram went to a store employee who contacted police for help. She was eventually brought to the office of Captain Tony Palm Sr. there at the police department, and they waited there uh, until her family returned. That was 50 years ago. Both Bernie and Tony Palm have kept this picture 
for half a century. Tony Palm Sr. is now 90. He lives at a retirement community in Somerset County, PA. And he remembers this little girl. He says, she was such a delight. I said a prayer. I said a prayer to God that I don't scare her. I didn't want her to be afraid of this uniform or me. Meanwhile, Bernie Imgrund has also kept this picture. She was three years old when this happened. But she remembers. She says, Tony made me feel safe until my dad finally came back and realized that I wasn't there. So Bernie's got her picture in a frame. Tony has his picture next to his bed in his nursing home. They've not connected with one another, or at least they hadn't, for more than 50 years. But last month, Palm's family found Bernie Ingram on social media, and the two were able to reconnect. Bernie said, when I went to hug him, I just had goosebumps and tears in my eyes, too. Tony Palm says, you know, the whole story is beautiful. He said, when you think about it, it turned out nicely. Very nice. So, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing 50 years ago. And then the joy of reconnecting a half century later. I love it. Retired police captain Tony Palm Sr., in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. And uh, the family of Tony Palm Sr. for reaching out and reconnecting with this little girl, Bernie Imgrund, who is now a grown woman, and bringing this two back together. I got to tell you, I think that is a very, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the show. As always, uh, let's see, a couple of house cleaning matters. Tomorrow, 1.30 Eastern time, we have our VIP Gold live chat with myself and Ed Morrissey. So if you are not yet a VIP Gold subscriber to Town Hall Media, I would strongly encourage you to do so. You can also become a VIP member of Bearing Arms. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS and you can get 25% off of your membership. Uh, if you are a serious XM satellite subscriber you can also uh, check out stacy on the right tuesday evening nine to midnight i'll be sitting in for stacy and uh, looking forward to uh, talking some second amendment news and issues there as well of course you can always find out the latest second amendment news and information at bearingarms.com and we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of bearing arms cam and company for your viewing and listening pleasure as well until then be well be safe and be free